Welcome to Faith Baptist Church, Great Village, where we believe in the truth of the gospel, building of community, and engaging in the mission of Christ. We hope you enjoy this week's message as our pastors share from God's Word. Um, we've been through a lot already this morning, and I just want to continue the sermon that's already being preached, the scripture, the worship, the times of prayer, the things that tug on our hearts, the values that we hold to this morning. I just want to continue on. So we're going to talk about two one another's this morning, and the first one we're going to talk about is hospitality. 1 Peter 4, 9. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Do you ever grumble when you have to have people over? <laughs> um, the New Living Translation puts it this way, cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Shouldn't we as Christians be known for something as simple as this? And when it talks about hospitality, it's two Greek words, philos, Philadelphia, brotherly love, and then xenos, which means stranger, foreigner, traveler. Do we show hospitality, brotherly love, to the traveler, the foreigner, the people that we don't quite know yet, the people who aren't on our inner circle? I want to give you a few examples of hospitality. You have Job in 31, verse 32. He's, he's confessing before God what he's done and what he hasn't done. He says, the sojourner is not lodged in the street. I open my doors to the traveler. Don't you just think of Mary and Joseph getting to Bethlehem, there's no room in the inn, which is probably actually people's homes, their spare room that they would keep for travelers, and there was no room, so Jesus is born in the stable. And then Paul says in Romans 16, 23, we looked at all these greetings that he gave, there's like 32 of them to groups and to individuals. Here's Gaius, who's hosting Paul, but not just Paul, Paul being the Apostle Paul, wow, I'd love to have him over to my house for supper, but also to the whole church. I don't know how big his house was or how small the church was, but we have people in our church who host life groups. We have people in our church who host youth small groups. Man, you are doing a work there. You think about what this meant for Paul, what it meant for his writing of the epistles, his inspiration, his ministry. Look at this example, Elisha and the Shunammite woman. Do you remember this one? It's right, right after the, the widow's oil. Then Elisha goes to Shunem. There's this wealthy lady who says to her husband, hey, we've got some spare room up on the roof. Why, why, don't we, uh, why don't we build him a place up on the roof with some walls? We'll put a bed, a table, a chair, a lamp, so that whenever he passes through, he can stay with us. Women tend to be more hospitable than men. Have you ever noticed that? Like, I would give him a bed. I wouldn't think of a table and a chair and a lamp and the fine cutlery and the tablecloth. Some people have, have gifts of hospitality. I don't appreciate that stuff as much as some people do. But obviously it meant a lot to Elisha to have this place to stay. So many examples of hospitality. Now, we as Atlantic Canadians, in our culture still, we're known for hospitality. You think of the kitchen parties, you think of... But we're kind of losing that. It's being eroded. And our houses and our places for our family have become like our safe space where we shut the world out and it's just our fortress that we hide behind. It's becoming more and more that way. So I need to give you some reasons today as to why we need to show hospitality. Reason number one from Ephesians chapter two, we used to be the strangers on the outside looking in. Remember that you were at one time separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. That was us. We were the strangers looking for a place to belong, 
place to stay, a place to be known. But now, in Christ Jesus, praise God, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We now have a home, a place to belong, a place to thrive, a place to grow, because Jesus Christ has brought us into the family of God through his blood. Look at Ephesians 2.19, just a few more verses down. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens like we all used to be from the outside looking in. You are fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God. He's put a seat at his table with his family for you to bring you in. Just like Mephibosheth and David shows kindness to the grandson of Saul and gives him a seat at his table. You've been brought in. God showed you hospitality. Look, God is like the ultimate host. Look at Hebrews eleven thirteen. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised. You remember the hall of faith, all these people of faith. But having seen them and greeted them afar off, having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Do you realize this isn't your home? We were made for a place that's different, a place that's perfect. For people who speak thus make it clear that they're seeking a homeland. Look at what God does. Verse 15. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have opportunity to return. Let's just go back to Egypt. You remember the leeks and the melons? But as it is, they desire a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God's not ashamed to be called their God. He has prepared for them a city. Isn't that beautiful? Do you realize God is preparing a space and a place for you? It makes me think of John 14. And Jesus is talking to Thomas. How, how can we know the way? How can we know where you're going? In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Hospitality. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, will take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Why should we practice hospitality? Well, because we were the strangers on the outside looking in. Because ultimately, that's God's plan of redemption for the world to give them a place to belong in his family. And that's what Jesus is doing for you and I right now. He's preparing a place for us so that when he comes again, he can take us to himself, that we will always be with the Lord. I love those pictures. One final reason for hospitality, and this is beautiful. I'm just going to read it. I'm not going to say anything, okay? I'm just going to read it. Matthew 25, 35. I was hungry, you gave me food. Now, I just have to say one thing. I know I, I said I wouldn't say anything, but I'll just say this one thing. This is at the end time when Jesus returns in his glory, sits on his throne and separates the sheep from the goats, and he looks at the sheep and he says to the sheep, I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick you visited me. I was in prison. You came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry? When did we feed you, thirsty, give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked or clothe you? When did we see you sick and in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Enough said. Let's talk about how we speak to one another. Equally important as how we, we uh, give a space and a place for each other is how we talk to one another when we're with one another. What do our gatherings sound like? How do we talk to each other when we finally get back together after pandemic and all this and we get in the same room together? 
what, what comes out of our mouths? What does the conversation sound like? Ephesians 5, verse 18. Don't get drunk with wine. That's just good advice right there. Because I haven't heard any good decisions or good things said when you're drunk. Paul says the same thing. That's debauchery. But instead, be filled with the Spirit. Let's just talk about this for a moment. There is a big conversation surrounding freedom these days, rights and freedoms. And I think so many people have gotten freedom wrong. Freedom is not the absence of rules and regulations. That's anarchy and chaos. Just think about traffic for a moment. No stop signs, no speed limits, drive on whatever side of the median of the highway that you want. It's up to you. Do what you want. Well, it wouldn't take very long for us to realize that that does not make for a free roadway to get to where you want to go. You need rules and regulations. Freedom is not just freedom from, and it's not just freedom... It's not just freedom from, it's, it's freedom to. But Paul gives this example of alcohol. You can be controlled by your fleshly desires, and then you're a slave to your desires. Here's one example, alcohol. You drink too much alcohol, you get drunk, you're a slave to your drunkenness, and you, you don't remember what you did last night. But instead, he says, it's not just freedom from the control of alcohol, it's freedom to submit to the control of the Spirit. You see, true freedom, in a spiritual sense, Jesus gives us freedom from sin and freedom to newness of life, abundant life. Freedom from the old life, and Jesus invites us into free living in the spirit, the abundant life that he has planned for us. Freedom from our own fleshly desires and freedom to submit to his will. Next week, Doug Campbell is going to be talking about submission. He's going to talk about stirring one another up. I'm really looking forward to it. Be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Beautiful set of verses. You know, I don't think this is saying we should all be singing at one another when we see one another. I just picture Snow White frolicking through the forest and she's saying, la, 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 and then the birds sing back, la, 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 la. I don't think that's, that would just be awkward in the grocery store, wouldn't it? It'd be funny, though. If I see in the grocery store, I'd love to just have you sing to me. That would that'd be great. Um, Psalms, songs of praise. Think of the Old Testament books. Scriptures set to music, David's harp. Hymns, songs celebrating God. Spiritual songs, spontaneous, impromptu. Songs of praise that just come out, giving thanks always and for everything. Is that your conversation with one another? Does it, does it sound like an act of worship to God? Gratitude? That's what Paul's calling them to. If that's not your regular conversation, and I'm guessing not, <laughs> uh, for most of us these days, it's certainly not. Your conversation's probably more like mine was this morning. If you don't get your boots on and get in the car, we're leaving without you. Or may, maybe it's like, whoa, did you hear what the news said this past week? See how expensive gas is? You see the weather outside? Oh, bah, humbug. Did you see what that person posted on Facebook? Oh, man, I got to read these comments. You'll never believe what Sally Sue said. Say that 35 times fast. Sally Sue said. Uh, let's get really practical. Nuts and bolts. With all the different difficult, argumentative, polarizing conversations these days, how do we speak in worshipful songs to one another? Or is it just like pie in the sky, wouldn't that be nice, maybe that side of heaven? Practically, how does this work? 
Okay, we talked about the freedom thing, freedom from, freedom to. Paul mentions being filled with wine as compared to being filled with the Spirit. How are you filled with the Spirit? Well, let's get really simple. What you put in is what comes out. Jesus said, what did Jesus say? Uh, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you can do two things. You can filter or you can feed. Eventually, that filter is going to wear out, right? You can have the best filter you want. Oh, I shouldn't say that. Oh, I won't say that. Oh, I'll choose my words carefully. But if you're only feeding mud into the system, eventually that filter is going to get so clogged, it's just going to go bleh, and you're just going to blow up at somebody, right? We need to be so careful what, what we're feeding our hearts and our minds. When it comes to, um, to fitness and to health, you can't out-train a bad diet. If you eat junk food, you're going to feel like junk. You're going to perform like junk. You're probably going to look like junk because you are what you eat. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What you put in is what's going to come out. Are you getting what I'm saying? So what have you been putting in lately? If our speech is to be worshipful, thankful, spontaneous, praise, celebration, it needs to flow from a life controlled by the Spirit because we're feeding and, and fueling the Spirit. We talked about journaling a month ago. We need to be really practical and intentional about what we're reading in Scripture what God's doing in our lives, what God's saying to us, our interactions with other people, what we're praying for other people. We need to be really intentional. Think about the book of Psalms. That's King David's journal. That's his songs. That's his prayers he's writing out. And he's writing things like, your word, O Lord, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. I meditate on your word day and night. These are things that he's writing in his personal journal because he's being intentional about what God is speaking into him. He's feeding that. And that's what's flowing out of the abundance of his heart. Let's take it a step further. And then I'm going to be done. Speaking the truth in love. We get so focused on that truth part, don't we? We neglect the love part. But, but the verse says, speaking the truth in love. So which is the bigger topic? If truth fits inside of love, I would argue that love needs to be greater in the conversation, wouldn't you? Greater than all these is love. But so often we skip over that loving part. And worshipful speech, yeah, that's great, but it's my personal vendetta to correct all the lies in this world with truth, and I just run around with my wrong stamp. Wrong, wrong, wrong. But I love you. Come to church on Sunday. Ephesians 4.25, last verse. Therefore, having put away falsehood, he's talking about the old life and the new life. We read this verse and we said we used to be liars, but now we speak the truth because of what Jesus has done in our life. Put away falsehood. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Last thoughts, here we go. Do we need to speak the truth? Yes, we need to speak the truth. If we don't speak the truth, who else is going to speak the truth? You're not going to find the truth out there. If we can't preach the truth in here, where are people going to get the truth? We have the truth, and the truth is what sets people free. But how we speak the truth is important. Speak the truth with his neighbor. Not at your neighbor. Not over your neighbor. Not even to your neighbor. What does it say? With. And you know what that word means because we went through it in the one another's. Can anybody, anybody know what this Greek word is right here? Do you remember? One another, 
Alelone, three Greek words. Alos, pros. Do you remember that middle word? Meta, it means with. Doing life together. The people that you rub shoulders with. The people that you see as you do life together. With. The people who are next to you, shoulder to shoulder. And then neighbor, it means somebody that you're accustomed to seeing. Somebody that you have a relationship with. Somebody that you know, maybe a companion, maybe a friend. Let me tell you what it's not saying. Speaking the truth at a distance to a stranger. That's not what it's saying. It's saying speaking the truth with your neighbor. I just have to confess something to you. I, uh, this week, I talked to a number of people, and I just, well, I just blabbed my heart to them on this whole issue. Because I see so much pain today because of what people say on social media. And I wanted to stand up here and get some real bad cringe awkward factor and uh, I don't feel God giving me the freedom to do that this morning or the time to do that this morning. Social media is not the place to correct somebody. The place to correct somebody is speaking the truth with your neighbor. Matthew 18, go to the one you have wrong with. Matthew 5, you're offering your, uh, your sacrifice at the altar, and then you remember, oh yeah, my brother. I have an issue with my brother. First go, be reconciled with your brother, and then come and offer. Paul isn't saying get up on a soapbox in the middle of the market and shout at people that they're wrong and they need to be corrected and here's the truth and be a bunch of Bible thumpers hitting people over the head. That's not what we're called to do. In love, speaking the truth with one another. All these one another's are reciprocal. If we're trying to correct somebody but we can't hear anything they're saying back to us, we probably shouldn't be correcting. And I just want to leave you with this thought. Social media. If you wouldn't say it from this stage, don't, don't put it out on social media. And maybe you're thinking, well, Josh, I'm not a public speaker. I wouldn't want to say anything from this stage. It's too awkward. Well, when we post on social media, you're saying that in front of a lot more people than is gathered in this room or online right now. If you post on a comment under my page, not only do my I don't know how many friends I have, whatever, 100 friends see it, but your 100 friends see it. Anybody else who comments on that page, their 100 friends see it. It's as if you're standing up in front of thousands of people, and you're not just sharing your personal opinion, you are publishing your public irrevocable statement for the rest of time in writing on a public platform. You may not want to get up on this platform, but these are even greater, far-reaching platforms that we are posting onto. So I just want to admonish you and encourage you. Next time you want to post on social media, next time I want to post on social media, run it through the grid work. Would I want to stand up in front of my family, my boss, my classmates, my neighbors, my coworkers, and say what I'm about to say as I'm sitting on my couch at home. So I just want to leave it on that. I hope that wasn't too much of a rant. I hope that wasn't too much of my personal opinion from this platform.
but this has been burning in my bones this week. When we gather together, and one of the places we've been gathering together over the last two years is online, how do we speak to one another? And what does that communicate to the world for how we love one another, the truth that we hold to? Let's speak the truth in love. Let's be hospitable and let's speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs and speaking the truth to one another with our neighbors. Can I close in a word of prayer? Father God, thank you for who you are today. God, I pray as we, oh, as we rip through that sermon at light speed and probably so much of that just went over our heads, God, I just pray that you would help us to spend some time in your word and really think about what it means to open our homes and our hearts to other people. And then when we are together with other people, how do we talk to one another? How do we talk about one another when that one another is not in the room? How do we talk about issues? How do we talk about difficult conversations? God, help us to be mindful of the platforms on which we are having these conversations. Help us to be reconciled to our brothers and sisters today, Father. Jesus, thank you so much that it's not our duty to argue or to correct people, but it's the duty of your Holy Spirit working through us to convict people of sin and to draw them, to illuminate the scriptures, to give them the gift of faith. Jesus, we thank you for who you are today. Thank you for the faith family that we belong to and we get to enjoy. And truly, the story of our church is all about people. These people gathering here in this room and online, who we love so much, God, I thank you for my church family. And I pray that these words that I've given today would be taken in love. That this wouldn't just be the ramblings and rantings of somebody who's frustrated about an issue but God, that you'd help us to see scripturally what you'd have us to do and how you'd have us to speak to one another, Father. Father, I pray if there are brothers and sisters in this room who have heard speech come from my mouth that is not honoring and glorifying in your sight or for the building up of brothers and sisters in Christ, God, I pray that you'd give them the courage to confront me and to have that conversation face to face. God, give me a spirit of humility that I would confess and that I would be reconciled to my brothers and sisters. God, guard my mouth this week, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.